1: Uh, on movie club we're continuing our exploration of the coen brothers films and watching miller's crossing a movie that cory had never seen before this episode um i've seen once and uh this month is big for me because i finally get to check all of the coen's uh singularly directed films off of my list um last week we watched intolerable cruelty uh but we'll be getting to a review of miller's crossing in just a little bit for the meantime we like to you know just catch up see how things are going and uh what else we've been watching so Corey, how you doing
0: I'm doing well how are you
1: I am also doing well um, just got home in fact uh, from a long day and found out that one of my cats was not at their best behavior and so I had to deal with a little something right before this but you know um, it, it, it is uh, no. it is part of being a pet owner which i would not be if not for my wife but she likes the animals so i have to deal with them
0: you would have no pets
1: i would have zero pets
0: <gasps> that sounds so lonely
1: i'm never i'm not here enough for it to be lonely. so that's fair um and it's not an insult to my pets i do i do enjoy my pets but i feel like the times when they do something bad um especially maybe as a result of me not being here as often um, is very frustrating, especially when it's like damaging to things we own. So, yeah, um, you know, and and I mean, it is. It's. I feel like in today's society, it is not set up for a lower middle class person to properly own pets because vets are ridiculously expensive, um, and honestly, the cost of pet food is going up in a uh-huh. exponential rate. So it's just like and everything that's affordable they tell you is bad for your pets so it's just like well you know i eat bad because i'm poor my pets aren't going to eat better than i do so sorry pets you also get the mcdonald's equivalent of, oh, no. of nutrition so you know um not that i'm currently eating mcdonald's but you know what i mean like it is it's so expensive to eat healthy uh, yeah by comparison to not eating healthy it is it is a struggle um
0: but yeah and then prepping
1: oh yeah and then the time it takes to efficiently prep everything it's not again impossible but it does require other sacrifices somewhere you know and um it's a shame that there isn't a more sustainable way of living unless you are uh rich and can i, I love when like celebrities are like oh i lost all this weight." it's like yeah you had a personal chef yeah like and i you wish i had a personal chef i would be awesome work out
0: like hours a day yeah literally
1: part of your job is to work out and look the way you look again i don't know if that's fair like to like you know some of the stories i've heard about like hemsworth like basically dehydrating himself to have the the ripped abs and stuff i don't know if that's fair to them either but it is at that point their job so it's like you know any other job comes with baggage that you have to deal with i'm not saying that should be the case again i think there's other jobs not you know Celebrities that we shouldn't have to deal with some of the baggage that comes with it, but it's it is currently how it, it works. But nonetheless, I digress. Um, I am, I am, uh I'm ready to get into movie talk. I think. But how have you been aside from uh, my complaints about my own things?
0: I'm fine. I think that that's so funny though. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm going to talk about my pets for a moment. I'm a cat lady. Um. I just feel like, like how you were saying, you don't have time for pets. I feel like cats fit my lifestyle better than dogs ever would, because mm-hmm. dogs are so needy. But, um, you know, uh, this morning I was kind of running late to, you know, hop on my computer for work, and my cat led me in. She led me in to where she, I'm assuming it was her. Maybe she was telling on her brother. Uh, vomited oh. right under my chair for work and just another thing I had to deal with because I had to like clean it up and all that good stuff and then I still stepped in it so that's oh. how my Monday started I came back in to clean it up and I just overstepped and bleh. yeah that's,
1: that's gross um
0: yeah but I mean I'm fine I'm already ready for the next weekend I hate daylight saving time you know it's
1: fine um I like it in the morning because like usually when we leave for school um because i teach and my daughter goes to the same school so we leave together it's usually like pitch black and so like today there was like sun and it was mm-hmm. weird um and like I, it did make me feel like i was late even though I was actually a few minutes earlier than we've been the last couple weeks because my daughter you know is a kid who takes forever to get ready um but uh i i don't mind the hours i have felt behind all day though even though you know technically i'm early to everything but it it like it when i had um dinner with my wife tonight she was at she had to work late and so um i went and met her for dinner and then i went and saw a movie that i'll talk about momentarily um but like when we were at dinner it was like only like six and it was like super dark outside and it was like discombobulating i felt like it was way later um but yeah, overall I don't I don't mind daylight savings time I, I'm not an outdoors person So for the most part it just throws me off It makes me feel late, but it doesn't really like mess up my plans Because everything I would do would probably be indoors anyways um, So it's not like, oh no, there's no daylight It's like, oh, now I just have to walk through a parking lot that's dark But okay. um, Yeah, but that's about it um, I'm ready to get into our movies that we've watched Since the last time we uh, recorded um, which I almost didn't have many, and then I kind of kicked it up into high gear the last couple of days. So, um, you want to go first or second this week?
0: Um, I can go first. My All list right. is probably shorter. Okay. I um, have been watching "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" I love that show. Um, and I went to a Rocky Horror Picture Show screening on Thursday. Very cool. And then, uh, I watched saturday i believe or sunday i don't remember when we talked about it but i watched the new jennifer kent movie the nightingale mm, which is that. on hulu everybody
1: yes that i need to get to um i think i'm like i'm not sure i had to pause my hulu subscription because it's about to i've had it at a dollar a month since uh, black friday last year and it's about to um go to the normal price but I'm waiting for like you can't you can pre-order Disney Plus but just Disney Plus and they're supposed to be a package. Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm waiting so I can do that because Disney Plus comes out on the 12th. Um and I my Hulu account I don't think it's supposed to cancel till the 18th. I haven't checked but I'm gonna try to fit that movie in. I probably won't be able to till this weekend but I do want to watch. It's the Nightingale right?
0: Yeah.
1: I do want to watch that so I'm gonna try to get to it.
0: That's all I have.
1: Okay, um, I, for the first time, uh, watched Rocky Horror Picture Show on Halloween as well. Um, it's a movie that, you know, obviously I've always known about, and I've heard a lot of the songs from. In fact, um, one of my favorite uh, shows at, I think, Hallow Scream used to do the Time Warp as, like, the end finale number. And I always liked that song. didn't know it was from Rocky Horror Picture Show um, until, like, years later. But uh, my daughter watched it, I think, last year for the first time, and she really loved it. And has been wanting me to watch it. Uh, It may have even been two years ago. And I've now neglected to watch it for two years. And I finally, like, I'm going to watch it this year. I'm going to watch it on Halloween. I did watch it at home. Um, I did like it, though. I I liked it um, fine. I don't know that I, like, love it. But I do want to go see next year. I'm going to try. My daughter really wants to go to the live show. And I do think that being in a crowd would be beneficial for the movie, for sure. Like, it just... It feels like you need, like, an audience to enjoy everything at its highest level. Uh, so I want to experience that at least once before I make any final decisions on my opinion of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Definitely leaning towards like, but I would like to uh, see if I can elevate that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but Tim Curry, uh, uh, phenomenal, um, for sure. Yes. Um, Columbia. I watched uh, the last How Miyazaki film, The Wind Rises. Um Ooh really it's uh currently his last film ever but he's supposed to be working on one now that's going to come out next year um about a caterpillar i believe um cool. and it, you know he is retired come out of retirement a few times uh, the winter Rises this was from 2013 i've been watching all of the Hao miyazaki films to keep up with the blank check podcast um and that was the last one for now until his new one comes out um and we move on to uh they're doing jonathan demi next So, I get to uh, explore some of his films that I've not seen as I follow along with that show. I'm a big fan of. Um, I went and saw the new Terminator movie, Dark Fate. Uh, It looked real bad in the trailers. And I was pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Um, I am a big fan of Terminator 2. Um, I haven't seen Terminator 1 since I was a kid. So, I honestly don't know how much I love it. I don't think I've watched Terminator 2 since I was a teenager. But I loved that movie as a teenager. Um, And... I didn't see like most of the the sequels after two like I didn't see three or uh, I believe four is salvation. I did see Genesis I didn't like Genesis but I also didn't hate Genesis um, as many as much as other people seem to but I went into Dark Fate and it's some of the like the clips in the trailer just felt so cheesy and even like there's a line in the trailer where you hear um, Linda Hamilton say uh, I'll be back and I, I was I cringed like so hard when watching the trailer it was like oh god that's so bad but in the actual movie it worked and it didn't feel that bad it was just like in the trailer it felt too like on the nose reference to you know arnold um but i actually ended up enjoying it and i'm i i'm a mackenzie davis fan i would say at this point um and i i liked her in the role i liked her like seeing her do more of an action thing i thought she was really good uh yeah, pleasant supr- again not like a masterpiece but we had a rambo sequel this year and a terminator sequel this year terminator <clears throat> leaps and bounds better than the awful horrible rambo sequel so you know if we're looking at 80s uh, action sequels with the original stars in the movies um definitely go terminator over rambo uh with no no uh, hesitation um watch miller's crossing yesterday and then tonight i was so desperate to squeeze in another movie tonight i didn't think i was going to get to and then things played out where i was able to and i went and saw harriet um the new film starring cynthia arrivo who i am a real big fan of um uh, there's some other big names that i like janelle Monae. i'm generally a fan of her uh leslie odom jr who i can't quite place what i've seen him in but i like him um and there's some other actors that i enjoyed their roles uh but i wasn't i i i feel like Harriet. Is doing some interesting stuff. Like I haven't quite figured out how to articulate my take on this movie, but it is not the historical biopic that I went in expecting. It is, mm. it is a, it's more of an action movie, and it, like I think it's playing on like tropes of the western genre and the superhero genre. In in ways that I don't know if I like with this kind of iconic historical figure. And at the same time, I appreciate, because it's, like, it's mythologizing her and making her more, like, not, I don't know, like, more than human, I guess, and that's where I feel like the Western and the the superhero genre kind of play in. Um, It's in the right time period to be a Western as well, because it's it's pre-Civil War, Um, but it's not in the West, and it's, you know, but... I don't know, it, it, it was not what I was expecting, um, but Arrivo is is just such a tremendous talent, I, I just keep waiting to see uh, the time where it's really, really, um, I don't know, uh, like where maybe the performance isn't either covered up by so much other great stuff, like Bad Times at El Royale, there's so much going on that her performance is amazing, but like I feel like there's so many things that are amazing in that movie, especially the more I've seen bad times the more i'm impressed with that movie and then um uh she's in in um widows and widows was really good but she's like real low on the cast list like she's she, she doesn't show up for a good chunk of the movie but she's really good in it and i'm just waiting for her to like this was her big lead but it's it i don't know i just feel like it's not the right vehicle yet um to really be a breakout performance and not even that it's not a breakout performance just that i don't know if enough people are going to end up seeing it and I thought this was going to be more of like a period piece, Oscar kind of movie and it is not that. Um so I was a little surprised. Uh and some of the dialogue feels a little a little cheesy and a little forced. Um like because we know what the subject matter is and it just I don't know, it just like plays into some of it too much. Um I don't know. I was I was definitely not expecting the movie that I I just saw and I was a little I don't want to say disappointed but surprised at the the choices that uh the director made so yeah um that's the last thing i saw though literally i just i came home i had to walk the dogs and then hop on the podcast so could not be more up-to-date listeners as to what i just finished watching um and that is what we've been watching and i think it's time we move into miller's crossing all right so, Miller's Crossing. Let's get the stats and all that out of the way. Uh, no question who the directors are since we're focused on Joel and Ethan Cohen. Um, Miller's Crossing is from 1990. Uh, not the oldest Cohen film we're going to be watching on this uh, uh, month of podcast of Cohen films. I film. still just can't handle that that's almost 30 years old. I know, right? It COVID. Um 29 to be exact. Uh, the plot synopsis reads, Tom Reagan, an advisor to a Prohibition-era crime boss tries to keep the peace between warring mobs but gets caught in divided loyalties uh stars gabriel byrne and tom's in the role of tom albert finney as leo john turturro as bernie um marcia gay harden as uh verna um john Polito, who i just love in this movie by the way uh, as johnny casper um j.e freeman as eddie dane mike Starr as frankie mike Starr is in uh dumb and dumber too which i enjoy quite a bit um, no relation no no relation um his is with one. No, he does have two R's. Are you Rs. sure? Yeah. Are you hundred percent? That'd be really cool if, like, you were. My actually dad made with... up
0: this name. <laughs> <so> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> well, um, it has a sixty-six on Metacritic with only eighteen reviews and a seven-point-eight IMDb user score with over a hundred thousand, uh, user reviews. So, Damn. popular film, um, on the Coens' list. Um, it is a, a crime drama thriller, which is the Coens' wheelhouse, but they they keep the comedy out of this one. Not that there's no laughs, but it's definitely one of their more serious films in in general. Um I have seen this as I mentioned at the top of the show uh before. Corey has not. So let's start with Corey. What was your take on Miller's Crossing?
0: Um You're going to hate me. Um I just felt like it was a little long, but I kind of liked the roundabout way the story concluded. Like, when we find – I don't really know how to describe that. Well, yeah, but I,
1: I guess we got to be a little cautious because this is yeah, free right now. So
0: It doesn't seem very linear. It doesn't seem very straightforward. But then when you get to the end, it all makes sense. Mm. Like, um, it's not what you think is happening. So, I like that. I like the performances. I haven't seen Albert Finney in a whole lot. But I have liked him in everything that I have seen him in. And, you know – And you don't agree but i love big fish i think it's one of my it's tied for number one with two other films as my favorite movie of all time um and i think that i i really liked him in this movie but i couldn't tell if he was trying to have an accent because he was just talking like albert finney yeah i
1: don't i I don't i feel like i like big fish i don't think i dislike big fish Um, oh
0: i felt like you thought that i don't know i don't know i don't remember
1: apparently maybe i'm remembering wrong as well yeah sometimes that happens sometimes i remember a movie more fondly than i initially (laughs) felt and vice versa where like um sometimes time puts more negativity on it than i initially had (laughs) um but um i don't know maybe i'm just remembering the positive things of big fish I, i like definitely like elements of it i think i just didn't love it as much as you did um but i don't think i was sour on it um That's fair. We'll take that. But, um, I actually, uh, having... The first time I watched Miller's Crossing was on an airplane. On my phone, I believe. Maybe on my tablet. Um, and... Watching it this time, uh, one... Um, I had much greater clarity on what was happening with the story and the characters. Um, I think I missed a lot of connections the first time. Or I have forgotten the connections between certain characters. Um, and... That might have been just from the travel, or, you know, like, sometimes people will try to talk to you on the airplane, like, just real quick, and then they'll realize that you're, like, doing your own thing, and they'll, like, oh, I'm sorry. But, like, those interruptions, I feel like, happened where I, you know, maybe wasn't giving it 100%. Even though I was, like, that was the only thing in front of me It was just still, like, the whole atmosphere.
0: There's a lot going on in a plane. Like, I feel like even when everybody's supposed to be seated and everything, it's hard to, like, focus, because I'll try to read and stuff, and...
1: Yeah, um, so... This time, um, I definitely, I I liked it a lot more. I actually liked it the first time quite a bit, but I I really, really got into it this time. Um, I love the Coen's storytelling style. Um, You know, there's always kind of, I I don't know if I picked up on a message per se, but I I always feel like there's more to interpret, uh, especially with their characters. Um, the, The Coens have a dark sensibility, uh noir is definitely a huge influence into their style um even if they don't fully bite and they they've done a couple of noir films but um they like to do it in their own way and i think this is a really prime example of it um i'm not always a big crime movie well i say that i used to not be drawn to movies that were about like mobs and mafia crime and i think i've opened to it more and this one really works for me um, I love Gabriel Byrne in this film. Um, I just I, I'm I'm but tend to be a fan of his when I've seen him and I've not seen a, like a lot of his leading things. I mean, he's great in the usual suspects. I love him in this. Um I did not like him in uh there there was a movie I was really excited to watch. It's like a small indie film called An LA Minute that has him and Kirstie Clemens in it. And you know, Kirstie Clemens is in Hearts Beat, Beat Loud and it was the same year. And so I got a screener to watch it, and I I made it, like, 15 minutes in, and I was like, nope, this is so bad. Um, Backing me up on that, it has a 15 on Metacritic. Um, But I I literally couldn't get through the movie, Uh, and he was part of the problem, actually. But then, just a few months before that, he was in Hereditary, and I thought he was great in Hereditary, you know? Um, So, I'm a big fan of his. I love John Turturro, especially in the Coen's films. I think they just know how to use him uh, effectively. And as I noted, um, I really like, uh, Johnny Casper's character, but John Polito, who is not, uh, he's often typecast as this kind of, like, mob boss guy, um, but I just really like him in this, and I think he's just the right role, um, oh, interesting, he voiced Carmen Falcone in Arkham Underworld, I don't know what that is, I've not seen that, it's some Batman animated movie that I've yet to see, oh, it's an app? he voices Falcone on the app interesting um but I really I like him in that type of role uh and Steve Buscemi's in this movie as again not uncommon yeah he's not in it much but he's he's always so good in the uh whenever the Coens put him in something I just tend to really like his I mean let's be real Buscemi might be one of the more underrated actors I think uh, like to a mainstream audience because he's he so does, great so, he is and he's so versatile because like i was introduced to steve buscemi as an adam sandler bit player you know he was in a lot of the early sandler films he's in billy madison he's you know he has the real small part where he's the the hitman type character kind of a spoiler for billy madison i guess uh sorry um but then you know he shows up in like mr deeds and i think he's in big daddy um, he's definitely Mr. Deeds. No, he's 100% Big Daddy too. That's right. He plays the homeless guy in Big Daddy. Like he's always playing these little small parts in these Sandler films. And so, like as a kid, that's where I knew Buscemi. You know, so like I took him as just like this crappy actor who Sandler just like threw bit parts to. And it wasn't until like I don't know, it was probably in high school when I saw like um, I saw I think I saw Fargo in high school, and then I would later see you know Reservoir Dogs and just be like, oh, this guy is actually like a real actor, not just some adam sandler guy and yeah uh, how wrong i was to make that connection but um when he's in the right movies and he's so good and i even again like you said he's barely in this one but he's he's just so on when he's on screen um i i really really like this movie uh it's one of our friend mike sanchez's uh favorite films from the Coens for sure um and i i Re- watch this based on his recommendation but also because I am a big Cohen's fan uh, back, I think it was year one of work Reviews, it might have been year two but I um, absolutely have grown to really love this film and I look forward to getting into spoilers uh, pretty much now unless you have anything else you want to add
0: mm, no
1: let's do it then
0: okay guys from here on out we're going to talk about this movie in great detail you've been warned
1: so i love how the setup of this movie is in that first sequence with casper asking permission to kill bernie again bernie played by john totoro and he's asking permission from leo who's like the head mob guy everyone pays him for protection um i i I feel like it's a little unclear but i I think he's an irish mob and like casper is italian mob um, but again, as you point out, Finney just sounds like Finney. He doesn't really have, like, an Irish accent or anything.
0: <laughs> like, a couple times I thought he was really trying.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but, um, so, uh, Leo's denying that, right? Because Bernie pays for protection, but Casper well, feels that he screwed him over a few times.
0: I didn't really think that Bernie actually pays him for protection. I thought that he was just doing that because that's his girlfriend's brother.
1: That could be, but he does say he pays just like you
0: yeah but then tom is like mm.
1: well yes and again tom tom is this voice of reason in this kind of crazy world um not that he's perfect either and that's one of the things i like about the cohen's very rarely do they make a protagonist who isn't severely flawed themselves right like that is a constant theme in their movies um we even we saw it with intolerable cruelty our protagonists are both kind of awful and we that was one of our issues with we it we don't it was really
0: imp- like them yeah we didn't yeah, care
1: we had no no empathy for them where tom I appreciate his his loyalty and his intelligence. Now, his loyalty is debatable.
0: I see I think that I mean, I'm jumping way ahead here and making a very broad statement, very sweeping statement, but I feel like that's exactly what this movie's about though, is like true loyalty even when you're not looking to get something out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Although he, the the part where you have to question his loyalty a little bit is that he was sleeping with Verna, um, who Leo is clearly in love with, you know? Yeah. So that's where, like, he's not as loyal. But at the same time, I think he sees Verna as a threat to Leo, and part of the reason why he's, like, you know...
0: Well, he's, like, throwing all reason aside for her, he's taking care of her brother and possibly starting this war
1: correct yeah because of her and like and he's just kind of blind to her and i think tom sees that as one leo's biggest weakness um and also yeah he's willing to risk everything for this girl and and tom feels this you know sense of obligation to protect him from that um and i you know i like tom that's the thing like i i don't think everything tom does is right and obviously he has a gambling problem But I didn't catch all how much is set up in that opening sequence the first time I watched this film. And this time I was like, oh, man, there's so much here that sets up. Like, the rest of the movie is just basically unraveling that initial conversation um, or expanding upon it. You know, because you have the Dane there and the Dane is, like, Casper's muscle, essentially. Um, And, like, you just have so much set up, done so well, so exquisitely. And you get Casper's whole personality that he's very he tries to be i love that he always says ethics he's like he's so wrapped up in morality and yet he's a crime boss yeah (laughs) Yeah. um Uh. but he has his own code of ethics you know he has a set of rules that he operates under and i appreciate that too that's one of the reasons i like casper he's he's not he's evil but he's evil within a set of guidelines and rules and he he refuses to betray those ethics even when sometimes i think his gut is telling him otherwise you know
0: yeah. Um Dang it. Sorry I forgot what I was gonna say.
1: Oh, I apologize.
0: No, that's okay. Um Hmm. Sorry, continue. Well, so
1: the movie, uh, Tom basically just kind of takes things into his own hands and at at times I think it is unclear what his intentions are, but as they slowly reveal themselves, that's where the movie becomes just to me outstanding. Where like He gradually, we start to see the plan unfolding and how he's manipulating all every, you know, he's he's like a master chess player. He's manipulating all the pieces on the board.
0: He, yeah, and he knows what moves they're going to make next and it all just works perfectly.
1: Although there is a couple of deus ex machina type moments um, where he he doesn't have the plan, uh, particularly when the (laughs) dame goes to see Bernie's body. Yes. Because he is, he is freaking out. He doesn't know what to do. He pukes. Uh i Uh, love that part and then he's saved by bernie uh who killed mink buscemi's character um dressed him up in his clothes and like it was almost like bernie foresaw this happening and covered the tracks
0: yeah um i so i think that it's interesting that that place is called miller's crossing Mm -hmm. just like because that comes up quite a few times in the movie about especially from Casper's character about uh especially the Dane double crossing and trying to
1: oh yeah
0: like set things up and then we we have a couple happen there um and I I couldn't believe when they take Tom there and they don't even follow him into the woods to make sure that he does it I'm like you're not gonna go watch him like I'm I don't do these things and I would go you know what I mean I would still know to like cover all bases
1: you're all criminals you shouldn't trust anybody
0: <laughs> no but i mean i guess that they figured that he, they gave him up i thought it was also interesting that they made um his character the dane and um steve buscemi's character mink
1: mm-hmm.
0: all i don't know if they're necessarily gay or if they're bisexual but they're
1: i think the implication is bernie is as well um that bernie, yeah i thought yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Bernie had a thing with
1: Mink, but Mink also had a thing with the Dane. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I thought that that was interesting and that it was just accepted.
1: Yeah, um, but also, like, uh, Verna says, like, um, they think my brother is deplorable, that kind of thing. Like, I think those were, like, some of the the slurs about him being gay. Um, Mm. Yeah, the Coens have always... I've always felt the Coens aren't afraid to have, like, characters like that. And they don't... I mean, they're not the heroes in the stories, but they're also not, like, villainized in the same way. Like, Bernie has... Bernie had redeemable qualities when we first meet him. And then you see, like, how kind of vindictive and malicious he really is. Like, he plays the, you know, scared cat kind of guy, but he's... He didn't have to come back after... Calculating. Yeah, he's super calculating. Um but so is tom so it, it all works out um I, lo- I saw your snapchat uh post with the, the cat lady <laughs> yeah because i love her he's like go down to the store call the police um what will my cats be safe and he just nods <laughs> and he's like yes because the, the hitmen a- are gonna come take concern. out your cats yeah
0: but if bullets are flying there are no promises true you know i i love that part you're never on snapchat so when you like laughed at that i was yeah like yes
1: I, I um, rarely ever open Snapchat as you noted, and uh, like I don't I got a notification <laughs> that people had snapped or something, and I was like I guess I'll open that, mm-hmm. and then it was um one of <laughs> the me. things I saw was yeah. yours yeah I was literally watching the end credits of uh of Harriet when that when I saw it and I was like that's great,
0: um, <laughs> I thought that maybe this isn't a comedy, but I thought that they did things like that that were just.
1: Yeah, the Coens have a dark sense of humor, so like so that, funny, it's always gonna come through somewhere. But yeah, it, this is this is not um, like compared to like Intolerable Cruelty, which is clearly a, a farce and and meant to be silly, or even Fargo, which is a a very gritty crime thriller. I think setting it in Minnesota and having your your Ugh. protagonist be so homely and like normal, um, with Francis McDormand just giving an amazing performance in Fargo i think that uh the humor comes through so much more even though again the crime elements of the movie is really dark and there are some dark sequences in that movie um especially around the mulcher but uh and then again like you look at like hail caesar where it is clearly a comedy but it has like the dramatic you know more serious edge moments to it um inside luland davis clearly a drama right but it's, but it's
0: so funny
1: i freaking love that movie and there's nothing better than adam driver and the <laughs> singing the song and the justin timberlake um <laughs> i mr I, kennedy yeah i freaking love what? that movie um i mean i that's a, i am unabashedly a coen brothers fan like uh there are only a few movies of theirs that i don't like um and there are so many that i love and i i'm going like blood simple which is their first film that is in a lot of ways it's very much it feels like a student film because everything is so perfectly written and orchestrated um it's almost too academically sound where like it Mm -hmm. feels like a like a test question like can you get the right answer it's like oh this is the right answer good job um but i love blood simple and it has right away you just get a sense of their style and their tone from their first movie and like then you go into uh One that I haven't seen yet, but the older film, Raising Arizona, from 87. um, Which will be the oldest film we watched this month. And I can't wait to see it. Because that is, again, one of their more straightforward comedies. But it's still a crime movie. I don't know if you've read the premise of Raising Arizona, but they kidnap a child. And so the movie is them raising this kidnapped baby. So it's like a crime movie, but also it's supposed to be really funny. And it's like Nick Cage and Holly Hunter... You know, have stolen a child and are raising it as their own. Like, that's...
0: I don't rem- remember much of it, but I did see it when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, and I think I've seen some clips, but I've, I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie. And um, I'm very much looking forward. That's how we're going to end this month. Um, I can't wait to see it. But, but uh, this movie, I I feel paid off expertly for seeing it a second time because I was able to connect dots. Um, I was able to kind of understand where he was coming from a little bit more. And yet still felt surprised. Like, I, I didn't remember every detail from the first viewing. So there were well, still moments where
0: I was like, oh, that's what that is. Okay, that's awesome. I, you know. um, I can totally see that this would benefit from a second watch. Because I felt like there were so many characters that were, like, integ- you know, like, very much a part of the story that you needed to know what was going on. But there were so many of them that it was kind of hard to keep up. And I was forgetting yes. people's names and stuff.
1: Well, and some came and went. Like, Mink, you only see on screen once, I think. Um, He talks to Tom for, like, a few seconds. I think there's a phone call where we hear him talking to Mink, but I don't think you... You don't see Mink, and I think you just barely hear his voice. Um, And yet, he's referenced multiple times, so if you have missed who that was, they keep talking about this guy, Mink, and you're not even like... You're like, who is this? I don't understand why they keep talking about this guy. So, like, that... I also really, really like um, when they do things like that in a movie, where, like... They, you have they reward you for paying attention you know mm-hmm. um and i think that's really really good
0: um another i do want to talk about something else that casper talks about having these code this code of ethics and blah 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 i so there's a part where his wife is talking about they took he took their kid to a nutritionist or a doctor or something And he's too heavy, and then he says something about, what do you have for lunch? And he's like, I had a hot dog. And then he's like, my kid is so smart. I didn't really understand that. He said
1: something else about the hot dog, though. I can't remember the exact lines, but the kid said something to trigger his reaction. Um, And I think that's... I mean, obviously the kid's shown to not be so smart, you know? But he's just, like, the proud dad who's trying to make the most of what he has, you know?
0: But then... uh, well, then there's another part where the kid comes in and the kid is something... He, I don't even remember what he's doing, but he slaps the shit out of that kid.
1: Yeah, he does. He It, like, slaps surprised him hard.
0: me. And then he's like, oh, come here, baby, Ba 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 blah. Like...
1: Yeah, because he was, he was pissed at that point. Because um, that was, like, when everything was kind of building and, you know, Casper was getting freaked out.
0: And I can't remember the name of the character, but they... Uh, was it... L- wasn't Casper. Is it Lev... La, Leverett? La... Lev... Mm, that he... That Tom owes money to. I'm so bad with names. Oh, uh, L- Lazar. Lazar. Okay. When they, like, pick up Tom and they bring him in and they're talking about breaking his legs and everybody leaves the room except for the biggest guy there. <laughs> yeah. Then, like, hits, him in, the face. Tom the hits him in the face. With a chair? With a chair and he's like tom or like damn tom or something yeah. like he's just gonna let you break his legs
1: <laughs> and then he, like, he walks outside to get assistance from the little tic tac <laughs>
0: yes and then all of a sudden the police show up in the perfect time was he he was still working for leo at that point right
1: yeah the implication is that leo's running the police too um the whole town yeah the whole town so it was we meet the mayor and stuff so yeah Leo's got everybody working for him. Um, Which is... Go
0: Which is interesting because I probably wouldn't have noticed if it wasn't just, like, said for me that Tom really... He's, like, Leo's right-hand guy, but he's not the muscle. He doesn't... No. He doesn't really do any of this stuff, so I think that's how Bernie is able to sway him from actually killing him. But the we see the other people in their right hand men and they are the muscle.
1: yeah and the implication is that Tom is well he's super smart he's a strategist uh, that's why he's listed as the advisor yes. and um I think in this in this scenario when things get out of hand, he is forced to finally take action himself um, which is why when he shoots Bernie, it's such an important and really powerful scene because even, you could tell bernie doesn't think he's capable of it you know no, that, he's
0: like mocking him pretty yeah. much
1: well and he hands him the gun like so stupidly you know thinking that hey he's a strategist this is what he does and of course he plays it so cool tom is so chill and like calm when he's explaining everything to bernie and then you see kind of that bernie's like okay or uh tom's like i've got everything under control now it's time to um
0: tie up loose ends everything is end. done
1: which I think, um, when he when he doesn't go back with Leo at the end too, I, I think it's like, like I saved you, I stopped you from putting yourself into harm's way. You are now in complete control because the only person who was really threatening to move in was Casper, and I've taken care of Casper in a way that keeps you completely innocent of all of it, you know, and yet I'm done too. Like I've I am no longer able to be this person for you because you've you you wouldn't take my advice and look what you made me do you know
0: he's still kind of not taking his advice he's marrying verna
1: (laughs) yeah he's still with verna it's almost like i'm not gonna watch you do this again you freaking moron you 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 have everything and you're willing to give it up for some girl and to be fair from the few encounters we have with verna she's not loyal to tom obviously and she's she's looking out for herself which can't blame her for looking out for herself but you know it's at the cost of everything you know
0: yeah I think that it's interesting like Tom says it that she's very loyal to her brother and only says good things but her brother talks so much he just and I guess that we don't really know if it's true because it's all one sided true like, <laughs> that she pretty much tried to sleep with her brother. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, so, you know, um, I really, I like the ending of the film. Because it's not, it's not fatalistic, um, like there's no hope or whatever, but it is like, look at what you had, and look how fragile it was to, like, Leo, Tom saying it to Leo. And if it weren't for me, it wouldn't exist at all anymore. And yet you're still risking it with this girl.
0: Well, it's interesting that he doesn't really have any opposition anyway because he doesn't really seem to rule with, you know, I don't know. He, I feel like he seems like a pretty lax crime boss. I mean, he has the police and everything under his whatever, but when Casper has the police they're like bombing Leo's bar yeah and if anybody else is left in there come out like they're gonna be safe and then they shot the guy anyway I was just yeah. they, they just roll completely different and it's kind of surprising that he was able to just because it, it seems like it's been for a long time he's deeply ingrained into the rest of the city I guess
1: yeah, I don't, I mean, it, you know, it, it just works um, for me. Like, this movie, like, all about it, I, I like so much of it. Um, I almost want to rewatch it again just because I, I am, like, I, I really find the Coen's films to be almost completely rewatchable, especially the ones that I like a lot. Like, I've seen, I haven't watched the entirety of uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs multiple times, but I've watched that first, the, bus, the, the Buster Scruggs, one like so many times like I love that short so much I just think Tim Blake Nelson is amazing in that I I love the uh, I love everything they do in that western and um I've watched Hail Caesar like three or four times I really love that movie I Inside Leland Davis I've seen countless times Oh Brother Where Art Thou I've seen countless times um and you know uh there's some I need to I want to revisit like I've only watched Fargo I think maybe twice but I I it stuck with me like I remember that movie vividly um and I've seen Blood Simple at least twice because I t- I watched it and then I taught it uh to one of my classes for a noir film um and I mean god there's some like I don't know if you've seen like a uh you haven't seen Barton Fink yet we'll be watching that in two weeks very excited to rewatch that one I loved that one when I saw it um that one actually is uh, in the same vein I feel like there's never an official connection made, but it's in the same time period as Hail Caesar, and it's also about the movie industry. Um, so I feel like those two movies are definitely in the same universe, uh, which I would love to, like, have a third movie that, like, connects them or something. But Then again, maybe not. Maybe it'll wreck something, but... Um, I don't know. I just really love the Cohen style. I, I love their-, their sensibilities, their sense of humor. Um, I like a lot of their commentary. And... Uh, Miller's Crossing definitely holds up um, for me. Uh, almost thirty years, as Corey pointed out, and I think it still kicks butt.
0: My first time watch, I liked it. <laughs> I can't yeah. really
1: follow up that. Well, you said you said earlier that I was gonna hate you, and like, I don't feel like. Oh,
0: I just felt like it ran long. I,
1: I don't know. I it mean, it was like they could have maybe trimmed out one or two moments. Um, there's nothing that I feel is like totally needs to be cut and a lot of the times where the scenes could maybe be cut like they're less essential have some of the best laughs like him hitting the dude in the face with the chair like we could have cut to him waking up and the police being there you know like we didn't even need to see how he got knocked out but i love seeing how he got knocked out like that whole sequence is so great um but it's it's inessential like him hitting the dude with the chair and the guy like tom you know like you don't need that you don't need it but i love it 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 works so well uh and I kinda kind of like the mocking of, like, these big crime guys yet still having enough sensitivity to, like, be upset that he got hit in the face with a chair. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Stuff like that just works for me with the Coens. And uh, a lot of their movies run kind of long. They they go towards the two-hour mark in, in a lot of cases. And I don't know. I just, I, I'm okay with it because I, I generally enjoy the ride with them. And I, I do, I sometimes feel like we've allowed our pacing uh, to to move too quickly i think a lot of movies feel nowadays um like we're racing to finish and i don't like that all the time like i totally get it and i understand that they're competing with the attention span of the world but like when i watch like a hitchcock film where it's it's slower and it's more methodical um i sometimes it helps me to slow down for a minute and just kind of like you know what everything doesn't have to be rushed it's okay to, like, sit and, and contemplate things. That's not saying a movie needs to be long to do that. You can do an hour-and-a-half film and it not feel rushed. But, you know, I, I feel like the Coens have a pace in mind, and they're not going to adjust it for anybody except for themselves. And I, I, I appreciate that. They appreciate... If I don't really,
0: yeah, I feel also like they just make the movies that they want to make.
1: Which I, I, I'm i a big advocate for. I, I like that they're, like hail caesar i think a lot i i remember when i saw it in the theater um there were a few people who walked out and were just like oh what was that And i'm just like it was a great brothers movie were you watching it? it it was the coen brothers film and if you you're either on board with what they have to say or you're not and i happen to mostly be on board with what they have to say um or at least how they say it even if i don't necessarily agree with everything they're saying i generally enjoy uh the journey with them and miller's crossing is no exception um, I'm ready to give my rating. If you are, yes. Um, I think when I saw this the first time, I gave it the not quite golden. I'm gonna up it to must see. I, it's really grown for me. I think a uh, second viewing is a really good idea if, with this movie. Um, and I think it it speaks to uh, some really great performances. I think Gabriel Byrne um, is not. I, I really like him in The Usual Suspects, but I think this is his best performance. I I really like him in this movie.
0: I'm gonna go with not quite golden, Pony Boy.
1: Which is good because I think we were much not as happy with Intolerable Cruelty. Um, oh, that movie was—it mm. was a little tough. A little tough. Um, next week we're gonna be watching The Hudsucker Proxy, uh, which I've heard not such great things about. But oh I'm, god! Um, I'm, again, I'm checking them off my list here. I'm looking to them. Finish. Um, so it's one that I've not been able to uh, get. Originally, it was really hard for me to get uh, without spending like fifteen, twenty bucks on it. Um, I finally was able to, but I held off watching it. The beauty of it, though, Corey, I don't know if you've looked at the cast, but uh, Hudsucker Proxy is from 1994. A naive business graduate is installed as president of a manufacturing company as part of a stock scam. It stars Tim Robbins, Paul Newman, and the one that I'm most excited for, because she's a favorite of ours, is Jennifer Jason Leigh, who I tend to really enjoy in most things.
0: Oh, my gosh. Bruce Campbell?
1: Yep, we got John Mahoney, uh, Charles Durning is in it, um, Bill Cobbs, uh, yeah, Bruce Campbell, got a love of the chin, and that looks like the, most of the cast of, I know, um, which is not uncharacteristic. Oh, Peter Gallagher shows up somewhere. He's probably really small. Oh, and of course, Steve Buscemi, uh, listed as the Beatnik Barman, so that'll be fun, um, has a 53 on Metacritic and a 7.2 IMDb user score. And a Nicole Smith. Wow. Sam Raimi. Well, that makes sense with, with Campbell being in the movie. He's probably doing a cameo. But, um, yeah, that's what we're going to be watching next week. Uh, I don't believe it's free to stream on anything, but it is available digitally on all the rentable platforms, uh, which is where we'll be watching ours. So um, if you if you want to tell us what you thought about Miller's Crossing or the Cohen Brothers or any other film that we've reviewed, you can reach out to us. You can leave a voicemail on anchor.fm. Or you can hit us up on social media. I am at Burke Reviews. And Corey? At Corey R-Star. Two R's on the end. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you use. It helps people find the show. Uh, If you could also share it on your social media. Tell people about it. Say, hey, listen to this. It's good. Um, We would be more than grateful. And we want to leave you with this thought as we always do. Keep watching movies. This has been a Berk Reviews podcast.
0: BerkReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movieverse. There's something for everyone, so come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.